You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? What does it say? it would be a good... (laughs) I didn't even get to idea. Maybe I can just ask you the question. (laughs) It's going well. It's going really well. (laughs) Well, whenever, whenever, yeah, it's me. I'm starting. (laughs) 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 Whenever you want. No, it's me. No, it's me. (laughs) Oh, dear. Okay. Hi, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Emma. And today we're joined by author, photographer, editor, and humanitarian, Amelia Chazain. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Amelia. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, well, you're oh, welcome. Welcome to the show. It's really great. great to have you on. Um, to kick things off, we often like to do these with our, with our guests. Is, could you, for us and the listeners give a little kind of pitch blurb of what your new book, Into the Mouth of the Lion, is all about? Uh, Sure. Into the Mouth of the Lion is the story of a young photographer who flies into the last days of Angola's civil war to try to find her missing sister. Wow, that was so succinct. Most it people was. are like, I've really not practiced my pitch. I'm just going <laughs> to That was a, nailed that. that you I like a pitch, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I could go into more detail, but sometimes people just want to hear the first, you know, the first line to see if they're interested, you know. No, yeah, I mean, I'm interested. Sounds great. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's your inspiration behind the story or for the story? Uh, well, I I was a young photographer uh, flying into the end of Angola's civil war. I didn't I didn't have much background. Uh, in my twenties, I worked for refugee organizations and humanitarian organizations, and I was willing to go anywhere. So I had been I had been to Eastern Congo um, and Southern Africa, but then I flew into Angola without much of an understanding of the whole situation, and so. Um, and there was a plane ride, a very eventful plane ride, um, which I describe. It actually has become chapter two of the book. Uh, it started out as a short story, but um, uh, just briefly, the way Angola's war worked is that the government sort of secured towns, but the rebels uh, sort of had control or, or um, threatened vast areas around the town. So planes had to stay very high. Mm. But the planes that were bringing humanitarian aid and humanitarian workers and people like me, I was more of a kind of reporter going in there to sort of find out what the story was, write it down, take testimonies, yeah. um, take photographs and then bring the story out. This was before there was social media. This was before people had mobile phones where they could take videos. So it really was important to get the story out. But the planes yeah. couldn't descend in a normal way. They had to stay very high and then they set they circle in in this sort of kamikaze spiral. And if you're not expecting it, it does really feel like a near-death experience, but you wow. get you get through it and you get off the plane and you realize that this is normal. This is normal for everyone who worked in Angola, who has to travel in Angola. And so your brain has to adjust to this, this new normal. 
Um, and so that was the inspiration behind the kind of, I need to write this down, I need to interpret it. And then many years later, I started going back to my notes and my photographs and started turning it into something more creative. So the book is is based on some of my experiences and many of the people I knew and interviewed, but it's not it's not history. It's definitely a novel. It's definitely mm-hmm. sort of plot driven, and I, I hope readers sort of really get carried along with the story. But it, it's woven in there are my experiences. That's awesome. I mean, it sounds like a really you've had a really um, full traveling life. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> It sounds like you've been to some incredible places and seen and seen a lot of um and met a lot of different people, which is which is amazing and and obviously it's inspired this book as well. Yeah, well, I, in my twenties, I kind of said yes to everything. Um, I mean, you you might be able to tell from my accent. I I grew up in the Midwest of the United States, and I, I didn't actually travel much as a child or teenager. And then when I got the chance around the age of nineteen, I uh, had the chance to go to. Nepal for six months and I had a sort of scholarship or a fellowship to take photographs and I um, met with a range of people and I interviewed a lot of refugees, Tibetan refugees at that time and it really sort of sparked off in me this idea of working with refugees but also yeah trying to capture people's stories, trying to tell people's stories um and then I just said yes to everything from then I (laughs) I traveled from all my 20s I, I went to, I think, about 40 different countries for work or for travel. Um, But uh, yeah, in the Balkans, I I just started out, actually, my first trip after Nepal was to Kosovo at the beginning of the Kosovo War, taking testimonies from people displaced from there. So trying to make sense of of the Balkans, which is such a deep historical uh, Mm. layers of conflict. But, um, But then I started work for Oxfam and I did yeah, I traveled to Congo. I traveled to uh, Malawi, also covering natural disasters or so food crises as well as conflicts. Uh, Indonesia, Bangladesh. So, uh, yeah, a huge range of places. And then with other organizations, I worked in Darfur, which was pretty intense in Sudan and um, went back to Congo. Um, yeah, so a lot of different places that have now been woven into my, my creative writing. And also, I, I had such amazing experiences as a photographer, um, mm. you know, places places that I would never, never have the chance to see and, you know, stories I would never have the chance to hear. So I feel really lucky. Wow. Yeah, incredibly lucky. I think, would you say as well that it was born from like a journalistic point of view then? So you, you wanted to obviously tell other people's stories in a way? Yeah, I mean, what I... When I was leaving university, I was part of a creative writing group and we were sort of divided, but I really wanted to live an interesting life and, and write about it, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is sort of what I've, I've been trying to do. I'm not done living, by the way. I'm not that old, but um, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, um, not at all. But I, I think because my first jobs were with a refugee advocacy organization and advocacy in this sense means, you know, trying to get people's stories out, trying to speak on their behalf. Um, testimony, a real kind of idea of bearing witness. Um, and as I say, this was before, these were places, some of them that, you know, journalists weren't allowed to go, that, you know, you couldn't get insurance to go there. But for some reason, I said yes. <laughs> he said yes to everything. <laughs> um, so it was really, yeah, with this, I mean, it was also in the, I mean, I first started traveling in 99. And so Rwanda's genocide was 94. And so the aid industry was still sort of racked with guilt about that, about 
you know, why didn't we know? Why didn't the stories get out? And so we were trying to sort of say never again would these sort of be stories be buried. Um, but uh, yeah, and it's this sort of impulse to, to try to help in a, in a complicated world and try to understand. Try, I was very interested also in like the politics of conflict and um, peace building and sort of try to understand how to help as an outsider. Yeah, um, no, it's amazing. Well, I would say you have, it sounds like you've definitely succeeded in living an adventurous and interesting life. <laughs> definitely. Uh, so congratulations exactly. on that. Oh, and, thank you. And going back to, you said you when you were at college, you, you were in creative writing groups. So you've been writing for quite a long time, uh, presumably. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even was writing short stories at the age of 10 and um, acting wow. them out with my friends on, on you know, on little <laughs> improvised little stages. But um yeah, but I never was thinking that it was the only thing I was going to do. I, I was, my mom says, I've, I'm, a, I'm a glutton at life's feast. I do have a lot, a lot of interests. Um, and I yeah. think, I actually, I studied anthropology. And so I was really interested in the world and in people. Um, I wasn't only interested in kind of one narrow strip of, of sort of learning. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm interested if we can reel it back from all your adventure for a second. <laughs> And talk about the adventure of publishing. Just a second, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm really interested to know because you're going through Unbound, yeah. uh, the which is the crowdfunding publisher. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that as a process for you? What was what was what was the initial process in that? As for, I, we've spoken to a couple of people who have gone through um, that company. Uh, is it similar to submitting to agents and publishers? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was all part of the same process. So I, um, okay, uh, I mean, once I decided that I was going to really push to write a novel, I I did evening classes, um, mm. juggling that with um, my freelance consulting job and raising two kids with with a, a lovely partner. But it was <laughs> a very intense time. But the evening classes were really focused on finishing the novel and finishing a full full draft and then I also found it took about another year of edits and feedback on that full draft till it was something I was really proud of to send out and you know I was encouraged I was I was long listed for the women's first novel prize with uh, mislexia and I I actually had a lot of encouragement uh, so I sent out this this novel but um I I I had, you know, lots of agents were interested and even some other independent publishers were were interested I actually got 10 requests for full manuscript which i think is pretty wow. Wow. pretty unusual um yeah but yeah, i mean i don't phenomenal. mind sharing with you and your listeners i mean they all came back at the end and said no um i have yeah. a excel sheet of, of actually f- i think it's 48 uh rejections <laughs> for this book um but that's some a, of them that's a decent number some of them were very <laughs> kind you know some of them were saying i love this book but how am i going to sell it i remember that right. one from a pretty mm. high level agent and i sort of thought well that's funny. I, I thought that was that was your job. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I thought that yeah, I would exactly. write a book that people would love, and then. Um, but I think that the book does sort of cross genres. It doesn't it doesn't easily fit. It's not exactly a thriller, even though it's very fast paced. It's got a very strong plot, but it's it's more of a mystery. I would say it's also a lot about the characters involved. It's a, it's a family story about this uh, woman looking for her sister, and they actually don't really know each other very well. Um, right. And there's things about her sister's life she she learns as she goes. It's also, um, I mean, I, I did 
put this all in my one sentence summary, but it is a story about family <laughs> and our, our <laughs> obligations to each other and what happens when someone really kind of disappears from your life. Uh, it's also a, a love story. There's there's different love stories in there from the, the parents in 1960s Lisbon um, to London, as well as in Angola. It's kind of a cross-cultural uh, love story. There's people from many different backgrounds all working together in this intense situation and the intense relationships that come from that. But um, right. sorry, so back that... to your question. Um, so the book <laughs> is, is really cross-genre and there's a lot that people yeah. like in it. But I think I... I found publishing to be kind of closed to things that are a little, uh, yeah, that don't quite fit that, in the small don't have boxes. A place. Yeah, that um, doesn't have a place immediately in the market. Like it yeah. doesn't fit on a shelf with other things. Yeah, mm. I mean, I think sure. it does, but it doesn't, it's not a something they can, you know, click a box to say, yes, this is crime. We're going to market it as crime. We're going to do this, this, this. Sure. Um, but yeah. the, the good side of the story is that I went to a lot of events. I went to some really interesting ones. Um, Bite the Book is a really interesting network that brings together kind of technology and storytelling. And they have an annual conference with Google and uh, yeah. people okay. from all over, all over the country, even all over the, the world come to these conferences. And there I met my editor at Unbound. Um, and, oh, you know, amazing. I did a bit more research and I just found that on the tech side and on the digital side and also, yeah, looking at unusual roots to storytelling. I, I, I was really impressed. And um, if you know mm. Unbound, you know that they do publish things that sometimes can't find an easy home in mainstream publishing, like uh, Nikesh Shukla's, he edited the edition called The Good Immigrant, which was the first time that stories of, of um, immigration to the UK today is being yeah. talked about people's, and it, none of the mainstream publishers would take that, but Unbound did, and now it's been published, and it's a bestseller in lots of different countries, and you know they're doing a US edition, and Kit DeWall this year published um, Common People, which is an anthology of working class yeah. writers. And again, like some publishers were sort of thinking about it, but actually Unbound are the ones who backed it. So I was really proud to go with Unbound. It's brilliant. Yeah. And so important that that is published as well. So it's Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, you, you do feel like publishing can be a bit closed and then these these moments of breakthrough happen. So, but Unbound is crowd publishing. You, you do... Um, you do commit to crowdfunding as an author that can be kind of daunting. But actually, I looked at it really, really clearly. And I recognized that I had um, friends and family and colleagues all over the world. Um, mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people who, who love books. And so I just mm -hmm. worked out a strategy and reached out to them. And we made a video. Uh, people were, uh, this was sort of amazing. People just all over the world said, yes, we'll we'll support you. We'll back you. Uh, they only got to read about one chapter, I think, and they said, "We believe in you. We believe in this writing. We want it to come. We want it to come to be published." So actually, crowdfunded pretty fast. Um, I think it was about seven or eight weeks, and um, that's quick. And uh, it was really moving. Yeah. You know, I had you know messages from as far away as you know colleagues of mine working for the UN now in East Timor and in Myanmar, and you know people I went to high school with from Kansas and friends of the family in Germany and South Africa and and all these people came through with messages and and what they could contribute and if they couldn't contribute money you know everyone's in a different place that's fine they help spread the word or they just sent me an encouraging message you know on a day when I was really like oh I don't know if this is going to work yeah um, sometimes that's all you need when you're yeah. writing and and like just to just to, someone to send you a message being like this is really great keep going 
Yeah. Exactly. It sounds really inspiring, like a really inspiring route to go down from the other people that we've uh, spoke to as well with Unbound. It just sounds a really, um, you know, it's, it, it, I guess it's a mixed bag because it is a different route to go down and you have got to do a lot of work. And I guess those yeah. crowdfunding aspects of it, would you, like, how did you find the, the pledges and, and would you do it again? I know you obviously got a lot of response, but was it something that you would go down the same route again with? Um, well, I think for me, I, I was in a good place because I, I'm also a photographer. And I think some of the other people on Unbound, authors on Unbound who are artists also find yeah. this. So for the higher pledges, I could also say, you know, pledge for a photograph, pledge for five photographs. Um, and those people, you know, if they had the, the means, they were really happy to do that. And they get a, you know, hand printed photograph of mine from Angola or from other parts of, of Africa. And they were about 16 people who did that in the end and some of them I know most of them I know not everyone but I could also hand pick the photograph for them so that was really That's really lovely. meaningful and that helps with crowdfunding so I think if anyone's doing it it is easier if you have some items that are kind of higher value um, mm. that you can offer I mean other people have sort of pulled together experiences although with COVID that's been difficult to deliver on but I think people are understanding um, but yeah some kind of experience is linked to your book um, I, I didn't do that. I did more of the photography. Oh, and I also offered photography classes. So I'm going yeah. to run a couple of those over Zoom and creative writing classes. Because in um, pre-COVID, I started running creative writing classes in libraries and uh, schools in yeah. Southeast London where I live. And I, I definitely want to pick that up again as soon as COVID uh, regulations allow. Because that's your writing, the seven senses, isn't it? That's what it's called, your creative writing. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of how I, I told you I did some weekend creative writing classes before I dived into doing the evening MA. Um, and that's mm. sort of when I started to wake up and find the joy again of creative writing. And also I should say like the energy of creative writing. I find creative work really gives me energy. And um, yeah. after about 18 years of flying in and out of other people's conflicts and natural disasters, and even just other work that was around the humanitarian industry, I, I was really burned out and I needed to look at kind of how to get my own energy back and how to get my own creativity flowing again. So I explored and then I've also worked on a lot of small uh, creative writing exercises that are just really fun. And I pulled those mm -hmm. together in this course called Writing the Seven Senses um, that I can do it with uh, kids from the age of eight to 11 or teenagers or um, with seniors groups. I'm speaking at a seniors group later this, uh, this um, spring. So um, and it's just about having fun with writing, expressing yourself, also building confidence, um, but making it not daunting. It's not about grammar. It's not about spelling. It's about creative flow. And it's about laughing. And it's about sort of really enjoying it. That's brilliant. That's great. Uh, can I go on, please? Can I get part of your <laughs> Sure. <laughs> I mean, uh, stay in touch. And um, I'm, uh, for anyone who... I mean, we'll get to this at the end, but if you want to stay in touch and get on my uh, newsletter list, I promise I won't send it out too often, but I will sort of send out notices of kind of future classes. And I think some will be online and some will be in person. So we could kind of reach people wherever they are. Definitely. Sounds so That's cool. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm guessing, Amelia, now you, you don't travel as much as in your youth. <laughs> no, I can't. But you worked for Oxfam you've worked for the Red Cross, you've obviously got a, a, like a, a passion for helping people and, and change. Do you feel like since you've stopped traveling so much, you've kind of 
translated that passion into your writing and your kind of workshops and things? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, I still call myself a humanitarian. I still um, uh, raise money when I can. But I, I think, and it's been a process, but I think I've sort of pulled myself out of working uh, at the center of some of these organizations because I, I, I still really love and respect them and you know, save the children I worked for for a long time as well. Um, yeah. But it's it's different to be an employee. And I was a spokesperson at Save the Children. I was actually on television a lot, you know, to Al Jazeera and CNN and for these controversial right. topics. And I, I found that actually quite nerve wracking, but I, I did do it for a number of years. But um, I think I had to sort of start to reclaim my own voice and my own focus. Um, and also, yeah, not to sound too boring, but yeah, life does progress. And I, I have young kids who are getting a little bit older and um, I can't I can't be hopping on those planes I used to do. I mean, a, literally a, a plane I was waiting for. I was in eastern Congo um, mm. waiting for a plane to pick us up and that plane crashed. Oh um, it was a small what? plane and the people on board were OK. There were some broken limbs, but it was a really bad situation and I didn't actually know when the next plane was going to come (laughs) Um, and uh, my my husband now he forgives me but I did actually do something which is totally unforgivable and if anyone listening ever is tempted to do this I called him on a mobile phone and he didn't pick up and I left a message (gasps) and the message got garbled and it was something, he heard something like, blah, 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 plane crash, blah, blah, blah. Oh, God. Oh, and then no. he couldn't reach me for a couple of days because the oh, mobile no. phone covered. So never do that to anyone oh, that you love. No. Just never do that. <laughs> oh, um, no. But so, yeah, obviously I can't do that. I can't do that with, with children and with people relying on me. And also I, I'm not the person to do that anymore. I'm, I'm in my 40s. And yeah. for better, or for worse, in my 20s, I said yes, because I was really interested in the world. I was really interested in, as you say, trying to help. But, you know, I'm not a doctor. Uh, I'm not um, a water engineer. I mean, those are the people who are actually saving lives, are the these nurses, the midwives, the people who go into these areas with those skills. I'm not. I'm, I'm a writer. And uh, hopefully I'm a good listener. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> So I was trying to help in the, you know, with the skills that I have. And I, I think I feel good about that. And I'm still very connected with a lot of people who work for these organizations. And I may try to, you know, serve on a board or something in the future. But I may also leave that place for someone else who has that kind of energy. Whereas my energy yeah. is sort of taking me a little bit more in the kind of uh, smaller, smaller groups, you know, leading classes that end up expressing themselves, feeling confident and happy when they walk out. Maybe that's how I'm going to help people in the future. Um, yeah. And I think it's very much, I mean, to your point, I think it's it's less about age. And like you said, I completely agree, more about circumstance and what you're, what you're choosing to do with your life now. And, and, and that's why you're not wanting to get on planes, trains and automobiles every five seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it seems like you're now like as as um Jamie said like tran- translating those messages of change through your stories which is wonderful and you know it's it doesn't it doesn't mean that you have to be a, a doctor or a you know <laughs> like that <laughs> the story is sometimes what people need to hear um and and definitely share yeah. as well so that's great and and speaking of obviously more of your stories you um I read your short story COVID in Brixton <laughs> oh. um which was uh, great, by the way. Um, so as someone who, you know, writes both short and long form stories, what are your favorite 
difference differences do you think between the two oh yeah that's a good question I mean for me some of my short stories come out of these short fun and creative writing exercises which is why I think I've been I've been focusing on flash fiction um because fiction is oh, it's yeah. a really fun genre and you get to the kind of core of it very quickly um and you can be lighthearted about it in the way that um, novel writing for me, I mean, novel writing, I love, uh, but it's a long project. It's a long commitment. Um, yeah. And for me, it's a, it's a sprint. I actually write very fast and then I need to kind of fill in gaps later when people, early readers say, oh, I wanted more of this or I, I didn't quite understand why she did that. And I see, oh, I need to paint a kind of better psychological picture for that character. But uh, flash fiction and short stories, you can do it. You can do it in one sitting. You can then come back to it if you like. It's more of a it's more of a kind of lighthearted exercise. And then, yeah, seeing if, if people are interested, people are want to publish it. But it's not it's not so much the you know, heavy rejection. If, if your flash fiction story gets rejected, it's it's fine. Whereas if your novel gets rejected for the 48th time, you are a bit, <laughs> you know, your heart is a bit heavy. Yeah. You didn't write that yeah. in one afternoon. So. No, exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've I've kept writing. Actually, I've I've. I've got a sequel to Into the Mouth of the Lion. I don't want to say too much because it builds on the end of the story of Into the Mouth of the Lion, but that's set in, in Darfur in Sudan okay. and Paris, actually. Um, and I'm trying to find a publisher for that. And then I also have written another book set in London and another idea of a book set in Boston and uh, another book possibly set in the Balkans where I started work. So my my creativity is flowing. Sometimes it's too much and I, I should focus on one book at a time, but Life sometimes doesn't let you do that when um, publishing, everything got so delayed with COVID. Actually, Into the Mouth of the Lion was supposed to be published in May 2020. Um, and it's yeah. coming out in May 2021, um, ah. which is fine. At least it's coming out and people are being so positive. And I, I got the shipment just on Saturday and I have the book in my hands now. And it's so wonderful to hold your first novel in your hands. Yes. I, <laughs> I, bet. Um, I bet. Yeah, it's. Um, but I still, I've got a lot more stories to tell and I'm not going to stop with just one. Well, that's very exciting. And, you know, after all of like the experiences you've had, um, what advice do you think you'd give to, to, uh, would-be writers or travelers alike, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, wanting to tackle, you know, this industry? Well, gosh, uh, this industry is, is hard to figure out. I mean, I would say, first of all, um, and it's, it sounds very basic, but if, if you want to be a writer, then, then write, write, yeah. and you get into a pattern that works for you. It doesn't have to be early mornings every day, uh, but you do need to write and you do need to accept that the writing's not going to be the perfect the first time and don't dwell on social media and looking at everybody else who's a debut author before you and who's, you know, 20 years younger than you, but just, just write. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I think also find uh, it is important to find a community of, of writers in some way, you know, either through a weekend class like I did, or um, I also found a, a local group now near where I live uh, through Meetup, and we mm-hmm. we used okay. to meet uh, every fortnight in person in Greenwich, but now it's virtual. But actually, and we're really different writers. We don't try to be the same. There's sci-fi on there. There's Afrofuturism. There's Victorian gothic but um we all get to know each other pretty well and um they give me some really good feedback and by good feedback mm-hmm. i don't mean oh it's wonderful i mean really useful <laughs> useful <Hardful> feedback, feedback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
there's one on the one woman on there who always wants it shorter, and there's one person who always wants it longer. But um, that's um, good to have and that then, kind of exactly. mixed. Opinion. Yeah, and also I think it's it's great to get feedback because you also you you understand you feel your own feelings. If someone says cut this character. And you think, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I could cut that character. But if they say, you know, cut yeah. the mother, she's not important. And actually your heart says, wait a minute, the mother is absolutely key to the whole story. <laughs> then you, yeah. it triggers in you this kind of strong reaction. So, you know, you have to go back and build up that character, make her yes. convincing, make her interesting for the reader, make yeah. her indispensable. And, um, and so it doesn't mean you take everybody's feedback, but you, your work gets stronger because of it. Yeah, you don't have to necessarily accept the prescribed feedback, but you can learn something, as you just said. So it's like, okay, that character is integral, but they don't like it. So what do I need to do to make that character either more likable or more important to the reader? But also, uh, some readers just won't like a character. Some readers just won't like your whole book. And I did have a, a reader who tried to pan my whole book um, because she was indignant that a character is treated badly. And um, I sort of read this review and I said, well, yes, the character is treated very badly. That's a sign of good writing, right? That you, you yeah. feel yeah. upset. I mean, but no, she, she panned my book. Uh, oh, wow. But uh, one well, star review. <laughs> always opinions, isn't there? It's always opinions. Yeah. But I, I, yeah, I sort of was upset at first. And then I kind of took it on the chin to said, well, yeah. I think that's a sign that she actually uh, got so into my book, she actually felt offended on that person's behalf as if, you know, she had been hurt herself. And I think it was, yeah, it's part of that woman's story, not really part of my book, but, um, <laughs> uh, but you also, yeah, you, you know, the, the wider you go, I mean, I would love to have readers all over the world and people, and there will be people who uh, have different bits that they would change or that they want to critique. And I think I, I'm not a, I don't know social media that well, but I am on Twitter and, and Instagram, but there is a lot of negative stuff on there. But I think mm. as the other advice I would give to writers is yeah, don't drown in that because you have your own stories. You need to write them. If you just spend all night on Twitter and not writing, you're not going to feel very good about your yeah. writing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just make sure if, if you want to be a writer, if you want to try it, you, you try to carve it in sometime into your life, however you can um yeah yeah and uh and yeah. see where it goes see where it takes yeah. you definitely that sounds great. yeah Brilliant it's good advice, advice. it's yeah. really good advice and amelia it's we've reached the point in the show where <laughs> i have one question left to ask you <laughs> a very difficult question <laughs> a very difficult question the question is if you were stranded on a desert island with one book which book would you take with you that's such a hard question um i mean i when i think about it i often go to tony morrison uh she was my inspiration in uh university and i've been reading tony morrison since i was a teenager growing up in the states and she's so inspiring and her use of language is is like poetry in prose um so i recently reread her book jazz which is just a masterpiece um but the thing is it's very short (laughs) she's she's a sparse (laughs) writer in that that book but it's beautiful every word is 
perfectly chosen. Um, but yeah, if I was stranded for life on a desert island, maybe I would try to get some kind of compilation of a writing or something. Um, <laughs> it's a common choice, something people often like to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the other thing I was thinking of is actually a new debut book called Open Water by Caleb Azuma Nelson, who uh, lives in Southeast London near me. And it's it's also a masterpiece. He, he's a very gifted writer. Um, and that's a very sort of simple story about two people falling in and out of love in London and experience being being black and experiencing police brutality in London. But it's also beautifully written like like poetry. So I'm recommending that book to everyone I know. Brilliant. Open water. I'll have to check it out. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Amelia, for speaking to us and for your time. Thanks very much for having me. I've really enjoyed the chat. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Honestly, it's been fabulous. Thanks so much. I'm sure the listeners will will love it. And, and if you want to get keep in touch with um, all of Amelia's work and her whereabouts, not physical, but, you know, just in the ether, um, <laughs> <laughs> please follow on her on Twitter, which is at ABKWriting. And her website, which is abkyazze.co.uk. Thank you, Amelia. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you, <laughs> Amelia. And for everyone listening, just to make sure you don't miss an episode of this show, you can follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK. You can follow us on Instagram at Right and Wrong Podcast. And be sure to check out the book lists that we have on bookshop.org. Thanks again, Amelia, for joining us and for sharing your exciting adventures and journey with us. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening and we will see you next time. Bye-bye.